Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com, or find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast platform and find the show for free to listen to all of our past broadcasts or go to our website. You'll find a free archive there as well. There are advertisements in that archive, the free one. So if you'd like to opt out of that, you can subscribe to the ad-free show, which is also on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. When you listen for free, when you subscribe, or when you buy one of my books on the website, you keep us on air Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And it is Friday, February 3rd, 2023, and we start tonight with Bernie Marcus, the co-founder of Home Depot, one of the largest home improvement retailers in the United States. Now, Bernie Marcus has been in the news for weeks and months and a couple of years now talking about how it seems as if the American youth young women, particularly young men, don't like to work, don't like to participate, would like everything handed to them. Bernie Marcus says that when he first began with Home Depot and all the success that they had and all the stores that they opened, he says, I don't think that we could do this again today because people just don't want to work. He said, the problem is the rise of socialism. Bernie Marcus said, Nobody works. Nobody gives a damn. Just give it to me. Send me money. I don't want to work. I'm too lazy. I'm too fat. I'm too stupid. That's what Bernie Marcus said. And I agree with that to a very large extent. Now, America is known as a hardworking country, generally speaking, but it's not so much younger people that are known as hard workers. And that's the same anywhere you go in the world doesn't matter what country you go to, even if the older population works hard, younger people tend to want to work less and less and less. And that could be because of actual laziness. It could be because of weight problems. It could be because people seem to be getting dumber because of social media, because of applications, because of phones. There are a lot of reasons. One reason is also because people have been seduced, and I agree with Mr. Marcus, They've been seduced with the idea of whatever socialism is defined as nowadays. The idea that you get to keep your phone and your car and your house and, or someone else's house that you're living with, maybe your parents. You get to keep all that, and then the government just gives you a bunch of additional things and a bunch of free stuff and a bunch of money, and then you can keep living your lifestyle and somebody else pays for it. But that's obviously not how socialism works. That's how they sell you the idea. But you have to read the contract. You, you don't get anything. They actually take everything away from you in a truly communist country. A socialist country is more so some kind of a, an environment where you'd be paying, let's say, twice as much for a new car or twice as much for a new house. So you'd pay 100% tax on something. And that's how some countries have free health care, free this or free that. But if you want to buy a $20,000 new car, it's going to cost you $40,000. Most Americans probably don't like that idea, especially because the ethos of America was, well, 
partly the idea of no taxation without representation. That was only a tiny, tiny little piece of American history, though. If you want to learn more about that, you can read my book, Liberty Shrugged. And I talk about how the taxation issue was not the main issue, but that's neither here nor there. Back to Bernie Marcus, though. Bernie Marcus says that he believes socialism is causing young people to abandon hopes and dreams and to just think that everything could be given to them. He says, I'm worried about capitalism. Capitalism is the basis of Home Depot, and millions of people have earned this success and had success. He says that Americans have just become increasingly, particularly in business, lazy, fat, and stupid, in his own words. Now, a recent poll from Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation showed that 70% of millennials, that's three-quarters of millennials, say that they are either somewhat likely or extremely likely to vote for a socialist candidate. Now, once again, socialism is different than communism. We're not going to talk about this in great detail tonight. But based on his comments and based on this recent poll from the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, that's a lot of young people that would vote for socialism because they think that they get free stuff and then get to continue to live the irresponsible lifestyle that they are already living. But that's not how it works. You actually lose all those things and you don't get anything for free. I mean, even the, the people that took their government checks, took those couple thousand dollars from the government. And I told people, if you take that money, they're going to make you pay it back. Oh, no, they said it's free. Well, somewhat I know was just doing their, their taxes. And guess what's on their taxes? I don't know if you've noticed this, but the American Recovery Act, you got to pay back into that. It's not free money. The only people that get free money are warlords and Nazi criminals in Ukraine. They get free money. You don't get free money. So a lot of people would vote for a socialist. But even if we're not talking about socialism, even if we're just talking about work ethic, it's true that the U.S. unemployment rate sits near a historic low of 3.7%. And especially young men, young women as well, don't want to work. They want everything given to them. Now, it's true that America also has this abundance of wealth and, and resources. But if you don't continue to build that wealth, maintain that wealth, build those resources and maintain those resources, eventually it runs out. You can't just live off of it forever. You still have to produce something. You have to create something. Now, when I read these comments, I thought, you know, this is a 93-year-old man who comes from a different time, and he has a different view on the world, and his world has changed a lot, especially since he co-founded Home Depot. And the world that he grew up in was different than the world his parents and his grandparents grew up in. So it's not really about that. I mean, there are people have worked hard. That's, that's why we have civilization, because people have traditionally worked very hard to the point where you go back far enough and most of the world was built on slavery and not black slavery. Black people don't own slavery. Slavery of every race, every ethnicity, every nationality, everything you can think of, everything you can imagine. Everybody has done something terrible to somebody else in history. But the issue is, and the proof is, in the proverbial pudding, as they say, with an unemployment rate sitting so low, and the fact that the unemployment rate doesn't take into account the fact, and Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs has pointed this out too, it doesn't take, in account, uh, take into account the fact that after a certain period of time, 
people stop looking for work. So the employment, unemployment rate is much, much higher, much, much higher than they say that it is. In the same way that our national debt is much, much higher than we're told that it is. So what's the problem here? Is it laziness? Is it stupidity? As Bernie Marcus says, is it being too fat? Maybe it's one or two of those things. Maybe all three of those things. Maybe something else. Maybe a combination of other things. Could be a lot of different things, though. I read another story about something that I guess is a new term. It's called school refusal. School refusal. I'm not sure if you've heard about this. Experts and parents on what happens when your teen won't or can't go to school. Take a listen to this. It started in sixth grade. First, it was a stomach ache. Then it was problems with other kids, etc. A New York mom recalls her daughter's descent into what's known among mental health professionals as school refusal. School refusal is when a child, I guess, just decides, I don't want to go to school. Pretty sure that's always been a thing. I didn't want to go to school when I was a kid. According to Christopher Kearney, a leading psychologist, they call school refusal anxiety-based school absenteeism. It gets a name. You know, just like bomb cyclone or rain bomb or atmospheric river makes it sound real. ADHD couldn't be caused by lack of attention, couldn't be caused by food colorings, couldn't be caused by something like that. Just kids that don't want to go to school. I mean, I was one of those kids. I didn't want to go to school. Did I have anxiety-based school absenteeism? You know, it's like George Carlin said about the, the soft language. It's no longer shell shock. It's PTSD. You're not a janitor, you're a building maintenance, or you're not a doctor, you're a health maintenance professional. Anxiety-based school absenteeism. So the article, and apparently psychologists, describe this anxiety-based school absenteeism as a result of everything from anxiety to depression to ADHD to just not wanting to go to school. And they also report that COVID-19 has had a harsh effect on whether or not young people want to go to school. Obviously, you were out of school for so long in some cases that you could just do it at home. Why would you want to go to school? So it took a problem that's kind of general. Kids don't want to go to school. Not even really a problem. Maybe lack of proper parenting and guardianship and guidance. And it created an actual problem where a lot of kids no longer want to go to school because why would you get up and go to school when you can just do all of your work at home on your phone, tablet, or computer? Now, according to psychologists, this issue of school refusal was estimated to have affected about 1% to 5% of students nationwide in the years before the quote-unquote pandemic. Now, because of soaring anxiety, because of social issues, not wanting to communicate with others, not being able to communicate with others, having problems with cell phones and technology and not being able to just be a human, that number of people who don't want to go to school has greatly increased. It has skyrocketed. So there are a lot of reasons why people might not want to get a job or might choose not to get a job, might not want to go to school, might choose not to go to school. 
And these are problems that have, I would assume, affected every generation to some degree. A lot of it has to do with culture. A lot of it has to do with what happens at home. A lot of it has to do with whether or not that that child is in a uh, an environment or a, or a situation where they feel they feel loved or they feel as if they're being taken care of and they're being seen. A lot of factors go into this. But then again, going back to Bernie Marcus, he says it's not just laziness. It's it's also people that are that are act just literally too big to do anything, too overweight. They're too fat to want to work. And that's not something that you need statistics to see, but statistics would help in understanding what that issue might be. A few weeks ago, back on January 3rd, so this was exactly a month ago, I did a show called Another Obese of the Puzzle. And we looked at how currently 19.7%, and this is a rough estimate, of all children aged 2 to 19 are obese. Now that word, how do we define it? How do we describe it? Obesity can be defined and described in a lot of ways. When doctors and hospitals maybe change their charts, American Medical Association decides, okay, this weight is obese, this weight is not, and it's it's separated by a pound or two or a little color in the graph, little color that says you're in the green, you're in the yellow, you're in the red, maybe you're right on the line of it, are you obese or you're not obese? Obviously, this can be very arbitrary. However, with today's standards, just like school standards for testing, school standards for math, science, language, you name it, standards for health in general have also declined. So 2 to 19-year-olds or 20% of them are obese. It's actually much higher than that. It's closer to 1 in 4. It's closer to 25%. And that number will increase, and it has been increasing. It will; it's estimated to increase to uh, up to fifty percent in the next. I think it's the next ten to fifteen years. Up to fifty percent of all children will be obese. That's that's huge. That's that's massive. Now into adulthood, obesity prevalence in the U.S. doubles, according to official numbers. Forty-one point nine percent of every single adult. Doesn't matter what your politics are, what your religion is, what your skin color is, 41.9%. And again, because of that arbitrary number, because of that arbitrary graph, and because of lowered standards, the number is closer to one in two Americans, adults. Doesn't matter who you are. Chances are one in two of the people listening to this show right now are not just overweight, you are actually very obese. Black and Hispanic children and black and Hispanic adults are obese at a much higher rate. Hispanic children, 26.2% of all of them are obese. 24.8% of all black children are obese. For Hispanic adults, it's 45.6%. For black adults, it's 49.9%. Once again, you factor in the lowered standard and the arbitrary nature of the definitions and the graphs and the charts And you're looking at probably more than a third of Hispanic children, probably more than a third of black children, and somewhere probably around 55, 60%. So two-thirds of Hispanic and black adults. It might even be higher for black adults are obese. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, and this isn't meant to degrade or demean anybody, because I've done a couple of shows recently as 
sort of public service announcement, we've talked about the Rudd report from the University of Connecticut. And I think it was like the Black Health Council where they show that all this all this money that's being spent by big corporations, food companies, a mass majority of it, in fact, almost all of that advertising money goes to black and Hispanic communities. And those are the communities that are typically suffering more from chronic ailments, diabetes, cancer, heart disease, you name it. So this is a big problem. And if you care about health in general, you wouldn't be worried about a mask or a vaccine. You'd be worried about the weight of the average American, the weight of the average person. And if you really care about minorities, which is another word that's very arbitrary because here in Tucson, Arizona, I'm a minority. But if you're really worried about minorities, then you should look at the majority of the population that's overweight and obese, and that is black and Hispanic adults and children, and try to figure out what to do about that. Because if black babies aren't being aborted at Planned Parenthood clinics that are disproportionately placed in those areas, then they're overweight and they're very sick at a young age. And as they get older, it's literally two-thirds. You know, statistically, it's about two-thirds of black adults are overweight and obese. And that, of course, leads to just a, a laundry list of other complications and problems in life. We've read this list before, and I think it it bears reading again. When you are obese, and, and if you are obese, you, you know this. So again, I'm not, I'm not talking down to you. I'm not talking about this because I'm, I'm uh, trying to demean or trying to degrade somebody. I'm talking about this because this is, this is really important. And if you're really worried about health, if you're really worried about disease, this is a much bigger problem than any virus. This is a much bigger problem than any kind of, let's say, you know, bacteria, uh, microbe, etc. This is a big problem. So some of the side effects, symptoms, whatever you choose to call them of obesity, include having trouble breathing, which I'm pretty sure was the hallmark of COVID-19. But it's also the hallmark of being overweight. Trouble breathing, which leads to snoring, sleep apnea. Friend of mine from high school, a little bit younger than me, he died because his sleep apnea machine shut off. He suffocated because he was too big. He was literally over 400 pounds. It's hard to believe that. But he was 400 pounds roughly. Uh, I think he might have even lost, he might have lost some weight toward the end. So he was pushing to high 300s, low 400s. And he suffocated because his machine turned off. The doctor said that he died of COVID-19. No, he died because he was overweight and he suffocated because he could not breathe because he had too much fat and that's why he died. Obviously, if you're obese, this causes and results in chronic inflammation. This results in heart problems, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and then just the, the psychology of it you have depression, anxiety, stroke, gallbladder disease, just a general over, overall low quality of life. Now, that's pretty bad. And it's pretty bad that so many people are suffering from obesity. Now, I'm okay 
personally with, you know, jokes about obesity because I used to be obese and looking back, it might be hard to believe now if you've seen, if you've seen a picture of me recently, but I used to be very overweight and I never went on a diet. I just changed my lifestyle. And that was largely because I just didn't trust companies. So I stopped buying a lot of processed foods and I started eating more healthy and I, and I just lost the weight naturally. It took a long time to do it because that wasn't my intention. But nevertheless, that's, that's what I experienced. And I look back and I think, you know, it was, I'm not saying it's funny to be overweight, but I can see the humor in it. I can see the humor in everything. I, 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 I hope that you can see the humor in things. So I don't see it as, as a degrading or demeaning thing to make a, to make a fat joke. We make jokes about people and groups and whatever all the time. Everybody kind of makes fun of each other and we should be able to laugh at that and, and, and be okay with it. But for some weird reason, obesity in particular is being coddled. And I don't know if you've recognized this, but as I said, about half or probably more than half, it's somewhere around two thirds of all black Americans are overweight. I don't know if you've noticed that in a lot of commercials now, because of the diversity and inclusivity and equality, it's a lot of black folks, but it's a lot of overweight black folks and particularly overweight black women. Have you noticed that in everything from Gatorade commercials to Fitbit commercials, it's like not overweight. Uh, that's the wrong word. It's obese black women. Now, I feel that that's quite offensive. You're representing a quote unquote minority as looking like that. And that's what we're supposed to think of when we look at a black person. They're overweight. They're unhealthy. That's a very, very disgusting and disturbing thing that we're being shown on TV in these advertisements and commercials under the guise of we're putting more black people on TV. But they're actually putting a lot of overweight black women on TV. It's degrading, I think. So is all these big companies, according to the Red Report, dumping all their money into black and Hispanic communities. That's that's a problem. But there's a bigger problem. It's not just black women that are being degraded in that way. It's also just people in general where you can't make a joke, doctors are even being told not to weigh their patients anymore. I saw a story this morning that said, if a doctor asks you for information on your last menstrual cycle, this is just for women in general, you know, why do they do that? That, that could be an invasion of privacy. It's like you, you go to the doctor and the conversation is supposed to be confidential. They're a medical professional. And if you have health problems, menstrual problems, being overweight, they're supposed to help you. They don't go tell people how heavy you are or when your last menstrual cycle was. But it's almost like obesity is being coddled. In the same way like marijuana smoking is being coddled. And what is obesity and what is marijuana smoking? What do these things have in common? For example, just two examples. They make you lethargic. They make you apathetic. They make you not want to do anything, not want to fight back. Or they basically cultivate an environment where you can't fight back. You don't have the energy to fight back, the will, or the ability. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. When we come back, I'm going to tell you why Americans are too large, literally, even for amusement parks now. Kind of funny, but also very sad, very disturbing, uh, and a problem that needs to be addressed. More after this. Don't go anywhere.
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is the secret teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.Radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. Well, it's finally happened. Apparently, Americans are now too fat. These are not my words. Too fat to even enjoy an amusement park. Super Nintendo's worlds or Super Nintendo World's Mario Kart ride requires a waistline of 40 inches to ride. But the average American exceeds that 40 inches. And that limit prevents a lot of people from being able to ride the ride. Same thing happened at Disney. 2007, ironically, It's a Small World, had to be overhauled because Americans were so overweight that when they would get on the ride and consistently get on the ride, it caused problems with the mechanics of the ride, which again is very ironic because It's a Small World. It's actually apparently a very overweight, a very obese, a very unhealthy, a very chronically diseased, and a very fat world. After all, even cars, cars are being overloaded for about a decade now. We've been hearing about how cars, not every car, but a lot of cars are only able to withstand a certain amount of weight, just like an elevator. That's obvious. Uh, Flight attendants used to be weighed for airline jobs as well, because, well, you have to 
know the weight of what's on the plane to be able to get the plane in the air and how much fuel you need and things like that. It's not fat phobia. It's science, but apparently we don't, we don't do science anymore. But cars are being overloaded. Too much weight in the average car. Americans are also, as famously shown in an interview with Major General Alan Batchelet many, many years ago, Americans are too fat even for the military. They're too big to fight, literally. This is not a joke. I'm not laughing. This is very sad. It's a chronic problem, and it has large, extensive implications. Americans are even having a hard time, according to the New York Times, going out to eat because they're so big. They can't fit into booths. They can't fit into single chairs. That's astounding. And the irony is, going out to eat because you don't have to go get the food for yourself and cook it, and you just go and have someone else prepare it. And then, of course, food that you get out to eat usually is filled with additional additives and extra fat, sugar, salt, and everything else, and excessive amounts of those things. So going out to eat actually causes, if you do it all the time consistently, it's a causative factor in being overweight in the first place. And now Americans, on average, are too large, according to statistics, to even go to restaurants. This is astounding. Too big for riding amusement park rides. Too big for cars. Did you ever see The Nutty Professor? When Eddie Murphy got stuck in the car when the formula wore off and he he ended up, they had to cut him out of the car. Literally, some Americans are too big for cars. Americans are too big to fight in the military. Americans are too big to even go out to eat anymore. It is, it's baffling. It's sad. It's chronic. And it's proof of a decadent society gone overboard, or at least gone over the sides. And it is one of the greatest threats to national security, not just in the United States, but for any nation in the world whose population is increasingly becoming larger and more unhealthy. Now, there's not necessarily a conspiracy here, but if you take a moment to think about it seriously, it's not a joke. If people are too big to even go to an amusement park, they're too big to go have fun, they're too big to ride a ride, they might be too big to even get in a car to go to the amusement park, this is a problem, wouldn't you say? This this isn't a joke. I'm, I'm being dead serious. This is not a joke. If Americans on average are too big to ride amusement park rides, if we're too big to go out to eat, that is a problem. It's a problem because those people who on average make up 50% of the population and the numbers are growing and the people are growing every single day. We're on track for one in two children being obese and somewhere around three quarters of all adults being obese. How can a country with a population that is the majority overweight to the point. I'm not talking about having a little extra weight in certain parts of the body. I'm talking about obese. How can a country with a population where three in four people are obese or morbidly obese or now so obese, doctors have had to come up with another name for it 
They call it super morbid obesity. That's a real thing. Super morbid obesity. How can a country with a population of super morbidly obese people, something like you'd see in that movie Wally, how can a country like that sustain itself? How can a country like that, any country, not just America, how can any country like that defend its borders? How can a country, any country, not just America, how can a country like that survive? And the answer is it can't. It can't survive. It's unsustainable. And the irony is, and this is not a debatable thing, this is a very provable thing, but I will speak in generalities and not in particulars. When you look at the people that are concerned the most with abortion rights, climate change, and all the social justice political issues, most of them tend to be overweight. For some reason, that's a thing. I don't know what that means or what that even implies, but for some reason, that's a thing. And it's strange because you would think that people that care a lot about the environment and people that care a lot about climate change and resources would try to reduce their consumption of resources. But if you're overweight, you're putting more strain on your vehicle. You're going to probably be using more fuel to get to your destination You're going to be using more products that you buy at the store. You're going to probably be eating more to sustain yourself. You're going to be using more water when you take a shower. I mean, this is a problem that environmentalists don't talk about. People that are obese and people that are super morbid. I'm not again, I'm not talking about people that are overweight. I'm talking about obesity and super morbid obesity, which comprises over 50 to 60 percent of our population. It's astounding. And it includes everybody, white people, black people, Hispanic people, with the exception of Asians who are one of the the lower categories. It's pretty much everybody. And that's not only disturbing and not only sad, not only a chronic disease that needs to be addressed and, and, and a problem that needs to be solved. But it's also a threat to our national security. And it's also a threat to, I would say it's a threat to the environment. Being that large is a threat to the environment. You're extracting and utilizing, purchasing more resources, more water, more fuel, more food, which is more fuel, more of everything. Now, I'm not saying if you're a big person, you're six foot five and you're thin, that I'm just saying, speaking in generalities, if you're an environmentalist, an environmentalist should be concerned with the weight on average of any population in the world because they're consuming more and more and more and more and more resources. That should be something that is addressed. Since they won't address it, I'll address it here on The Secret Teachings. Americans are literally too large on average to ride a ride at an amusement park. Now, height limitations have always been a thing, right? If you're too Short, you can't ride the ride. Sometimes if you ride at the bar, maybe they let you on. I was one of those kids. I didn't speak out a lot. Uh, I was very quiet. And I just kind of went along with what other people were doing. And I just kept in my head, like, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But I just did it anyway when I was a young kid. And I I was always so happy at an amusement park. Because I grew up in Orlando, Tampa, St. Pete, Disney World, Universal. It's all right there. Busch Gardens in Tampa. So like when I would go to an amusement park... I'd always be like, I, I don't want to ride it. I hope I'm too short. I hope I'm too short. I'd, I'd like, <laughs> I'd like pull myself down like very subtly. So I was too short to ride the ride. 
you know, height limitations have always been a thing. And we never made that a problem as a society where you're discriminating against short people. No, it's just because if you're uh, usually it's for children. If you're a child and you're this tall, you can't go on this ride because it could be dangerous and you could die. It's not discriminating against you because of your height. But when you turn the scale the other way, which funny enough, I, I've joked about before. I've said that I think these amusement park rides, Mike D, my good friend and co-host, we used, we talked about this before. The amusement park rides should have a you have to be this you know, this wide to ride. And if you're, you know, you're wider than this, then you can't ride the ride. I've joked about that, but that's now an actual thing. So height limitations, we've always seen that. But Universal Studios Hollywood opening up a Super Nintendo world, they have a a size or a waist or a, a parallel meter now. And that meter determines if you can go on the ride. According to the Wall Street Journal, Universal Studios Hollywood has warned that some guests literally might not be able to ride Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge, which allows guests to climb aboard a go-kart and experience the popular Nintendo racing game in real life through augmented reality effects and animatronic characters. They're unable to do this if their waistline measures 40 inches or more. Now, I'm not really a big guy, I guess, depending on who you stand me up against. My waistline in high school, I think I was 38 or something. So I was I guess I could have still ridden it, even though I was I was I was obese in high school uh, by by standards set by doctors and hospitals and and uh, the medical society and community. That standard has been reduced now. But 40 inches or more, that's the waistline limit. If you're above that which the average American male is, then you're probably not going to be able to ride. Now, this is just kind of a story that people might laugh at. People might find it offensive. You might tune into this show and think, why is he talking about this? This doesn't seem like the secret teachings. But on the contrary, it is the secret teachings. I've always talked about how food, if you're a psychic, or if you are attempting to perform acts of ceremonial magic and communicate with your higher self, like in the Golden Dawn, or you're trying to commune with spirits or God or the divine or whatever, purifying your body and purifying your mind are steps in achieving what you wish to achieve. Wearing the white robes, washing your fingertips like in Shintoism, in ceremonial magic, taking a shower, usually not taking a bath because you don't want to sit in the dirt, but taking a shower, brushing your teeth, cleaning your mouth out, washing your hands, washing your body, putting sweet-smelling oils or perfumes on, putting the white robes on, because you're speaking with things that are divine. Even if things that are divine are coming from within you, you have to rise above the physical, mundane, and quote-unquote dirty world to commune with with this purity in the spirit. So if you eat processed garbage, things that are unnatural, that inhibits your ability to communicate with the spirit world. We've had psychics on the show before. Cassandra Blizzard's been on the show, and she was a I think she's a registered nutritionist or I think she's a nutritionist, not a dietitian, but she was on the show and she said as a psychic, she's one of the few psychics I've talked to I actually believe and she said, as a psychic, yes, if you if you want to tap into that, it's better to eat 
more more along the lines of a whole foods type of a diet or a lifestyle. So it is very esoteric and occult. I mean, if you look at everything from Egyptian priests to Shinto priests, they all do the same thing, not just the cleansing and the robes, but they abstain from human contact, socializing with other people. They abstain from sex, masturbation, meat, and alcohol of all kinds because these things weigh the soul down. So food and health, these are very esoteric and occult things. Now, when we look at the Mario Kart story, again, it just might sound like it's a food show. It's just a stupid article. No, it's not a stupid article. It's not a stupid story. It's a sad story. It means that the average American can't go on a go-kart ride at an amusement park it's not like these go-karts are real-size go-karts. They're a little bit, if you look at the pictures of them, they're, you know, the average person can fit into them. They're, 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 they're quite large. They're not go-karts like you'd go to a fun center and have a go-kart ride. They're large enough, from what I see in the pictures here, to fit, uh, and some of them it looks like you can fit two people in them, you know, just like a regular amusement park ride. But people are too large for them. If your waistline is more than 40 inches, you probably can't go on the Mario Kart ride. Now, in recent years, theme parks around the country have become more stringent about safety and the restraints used on ride vehicles. It's not just for high-speed attractions like roller coasters that can make riders or take riders through inverted loops and steep curves. Indoor rides have become more complex and now provide riders with these digital AI, well, they're not AI, but these digital augmented reality AR uh, experiences, which is the case for uh, Galaxy's Edge Rise of the Resistance, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge. And if you get out of the car during the ride, or if you can't strap in, or whatever the case is, you can get seriously injured. So it's a safety issue. It's not fat shaming. It wouldn't be height shaming. It's a necessity that you can fit into the vehicle and you can strap yourself in and go. If you can't do that, you can't go because now you're a liability to the amusement park or to the company, whatever the company is that owns it. I don't know how all that works, but you have to have an ability to fit into the, the vehicle, the car, the pod, whatever it is. And I guess Americans are so big, it's not only Mario Kart, the Incredible Hulk coaster, I rode that one time. I, do, I don't like roller coasters, but I, I did re- ride the Incredible Hulk one time. And that Tower of Doom, I did that one time too. Uh, Universal Lands, or Islands, Universal Islands, uh, Adventures... Uh, or excuse me, I should say Universal's Islands of Adventures, the Incredible Hulk coaster in Florida, they've had to adjust it so that there are larger seats for guests. I mean, this is this is not a good sign. This is not a good trend. It's It's not just Mario Kart. It's other rides that have already had to make adjustments because people are too big, like the Incredible Hulk ride. Also, at Disney World, this was in 2007. Too fat for a small world. The It's a Small World ride at Disneyland needs a massive overhaul 
because overweight and obese Americans have killed it. This is literally and actually happening. It's not a joke. People are literally so big that they've had to adjust rides to accommodate larger passengers. Now, It's a Small World is iconic. People come from all over the world to see and to go on It's a Small World. The ride had, up until 2007, remained completely unchanged, very iconic since its construction in 1964. Now it needs a massive overhaul because overweight and obese Americans have essentially killed it. When the ride was originally installed, the flume and boats, I've been on this ride several times, the flume and the boats were built to accommodate average size Americans. But in the intervening 40 plus years, the average size American has ballooned in weight, causing the boats to bottom out and stop the entire works until Disney employees can help the overweight offenders off the boats and out of the emergency exits. You can tell this was written before things changed in the last couple of years. This is the Huffington Post. They're using words like bottom out and overweight offenders <laughs> and too fat for a small world, things like that. So it's a real problem. I mean, just think, think about it in basic general terms. Okay, if you get on the boat for it's a small world, it's a small world after all, it's, you know, you know the song. But the boat literally is bottoming out. It, it, the boat literally bottoms out because people were too big. And this was 16 years ago or 15 and, and, and a quarter years ago. So they've had to adjust them. Now, the last time I went on It's a Small World, um, I think it was probably before 2007. So I, I was on them before they did the adjustments. But they've had to they've had to adjust them because people are literally too big. But again, it's not just Mario Kart. It's not just the Incredible Hulk. It's not just it's a small world. But but the, 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 the funny thing, and I mean funny in two different ways, funny in as it's actually kind of funny, but funny as in it's kind of ironic. They they should have known the people that were building this this ride that weight limits, if you will, or sizes have changed and knowing that Disney World and knowing that Universal Studios and others have had to change their rides because of the size of some guests, you know, Universal uh, and their island Islands of Adventures, they had to change their rides because some guests are too big. They should have known that. But then again, a 40-inch waistline, I mean, that's that's pretty damn big. So if you can't fit into the Mario Kart, and these are big carts, they're not tiny, you're not Bowser sitting on top of this little thing, although that's what might be what some people look like, you just can't ride it. So they're going to have to readjust this ride to accommodate larger passengers. I suppose if these cars have two seats, they're going to, they might literally have to strip one of the seats out and then just one large person sits in the car. I mean, you're literally going to look like Bowser inside of the vehicle. I mean, this this is literally baffling to me. Literally, it's baffling. It's it's stunning. Like these are words that, in this case, really apply. Stunning, baffling, uh, wild, ludicrous. I I can't. I really can't believe it. But it's not only. It's not only that. It's not only amusement park rides. It's also cars going out to eat, the military. Americans are too big for a lot of these things. And of course, over the years, no one's got upset about height requirements, but 
Universal Studios and their Mario Kart ride is drawing criticism for not accommodating large riders. Well, a 40-inch waist size, on average, is pretty damn big. If you can't fit into that vehicle, then you obviously know you have a problem. A lot of people that are overweight, like when I was overweight, it wasn't a funny thing. I was miserable, and I wanted to change it. But our society today is coddling it, glorifying it, and using it to destroy any idea or any notion of what it means to be healthy. Look, you can be healthy looking like Lizzo. Not really. You can't you really can't be healthy looking like Lizzo. You might have certain parts of the body that are healthier. You know, maybe if you're an alcoholic and she's not an alcoholic, your you know, your liver might be fried or you know, in some cases your kidneys or you might have other problems, but generally speaking, Lizzo is not healthy. She's not healthy, period. Now, if you want to talk about her, you could talk about her music, but her her weight is a problem because it shows other people that, hey, this is okay. And not that it's just okay, but that this they're encouraging people to become overweight. That's the thing, to become overweight. It's one thing to look at someone who's overweight and say, you know, they can really pull that off. You know, some football players, you know, there are some people that uh, are professional athletes that we might think are a little overweight. Um but it's we're dealing with something a little bit different here when it's not only okay, it's like if you want to recognize that being overweight is for some people is just kind of the normal thing, that's that's fine. But when you're talking about glorifying it, I wonder if the people that generally speaking who aren't motivated by politics and social justice, I wonder if the average person who's overweight thinks that this is a good thing to acknowledge it and then to accept it and then to desire it. Because most people, including myself, when I was overweight, I was miserable. I don't want to be overweight. You feel gross. You feel like nobody's going to find you attractive. You feel like you're going to be truly discriminated against in certain settings just because you can't fit somewhere or whatever the people are going to look at you. And yeah, people look because it's not in our genes. It's not normal to be that size. So people look because it's a strange sight. But this, is, this, this isn't funny, though. This is sad. Sad and it's disturbing that we would promote this and glorify this. Especially for black women. I mean, my God, every commercial now is a fat black woman. That doesn't make any... Why? That doesn't make any sense. Too large for amusement park rides. Too large for cars. Too large for the military. People are literally too big. Too large for the military. We have other problems now that prevent military service or people that are in the military aren't really serving the country. They're serving a political agenda, painting their fingernails and wearing red high heels and things like that. According to autocar.com, Americans are too fat for their cars. New guidelines mean many people are officially overloading their vehicles. It is an obesity epidemic. And newspapers like the USA Today and others used to report on that. The Huffington Post reported on It's a Small World and said people are too fat for It's a Small World. And they said that people are, they're literally, the boats are bottoming out. That's bad. But now we can't even say that the USA Today, Huffington Post, my God, they'll never report that today. Americans are too big for their cars. Americans are too big to even go out to eat, which is ironic because going out to eat is one of the things that can contribute to that if you do it a lot. A lot of these stories, by the way, are 
older stories, the small world stories from 2007. Going out to eat being too big for that, that's 2019, the New York Times reported. The irony, again, if you go online and search going out to eat obese, you can find Orlando Sentinel, for example, or you can find PubMed, uh, other resources. Uh, One of them is the NIH.gov, Fauci's group, Fauci's organization. But if you go out to eat a lot, it is obviously contributing to being overweight. I mean, so this is this is really sad. It's disturbing that it would be glorified and advocated for. And it's worrisome because it's not a joke. It's actually a threat to national security of any country who has this problem. It's a chronic disease. It contributes to everything from breathing problems, heart problems, diabetes, you name it. It's no wonder everybody tests positive for COVID-19 when the guidelines for the disease are basically a result of our lifestyles that cause us to, to not be able to fit into a Mario Kart. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. I guess it's a fat world after all. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The technological elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio and for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Laura. I'm from Las Vegas, and I listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable because he never fails to provide us with great information from various topics on which he's done extensive and thorough research to back him. Thank you for all that you do and all your hard work, Ryan, and thank you for sharing it with the rest of us. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl up to the 
hollow back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. listening to the secret teachings radio this is hour number two if you're listening in a radio or podcast application please leave us a review let us know what you think of the show you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com when you do listen to the free archives it supports us financially because we get paid for those advertisements you hear otherwise You can subscribe to the ad-free show on our website at www.thesecretteachings.info. You can also find my books there. It's the only place that you can get the books officially, www.thesecretteachings.info. I'd like to make it very clear that tonight's show is not about shaming. Certainly not about shaming. Not even sure what that means. It's not about discriminating or demeaning or degrading people. I used to be very overweight in high school. It was not a fun experience. Didn't think a girl would like me. Had trouble, even though I was pretty good at basketball, still had trouble with the conditioning for basketball and any other sport that I wanted to do. Pretty much anything that I wanted to do. Being overweight was miserable. You can't really make a comparison, but there's there's a similarity here when you look at the homosexual communities today, people that are gay. I've always had no issue. Like, I've always had a good time being around gay people. They're just people. Doesn't matter if they're gay. But gay people are having their identity taken, redesigned, and redistributed so that gay people become part of some social justice movement that really degrades and demeans gay people. And I think the same thing is happening to people that are overweight or people that are obese. They're having their, not that it's their identity, not that they're proud of being overweight. Like some people are happy with being gay. Most people aren't happy with being overweight. I wasn't. But if you are overweight, that identity, which is very visible, has been taken. It's been redesigned and it's been redistributed. The new design of being overweight is that it's cool, it's hip. I mean, look at all the celebrities that are overweight. It's the equivalent of being very skinny. And look at these supermodels. And look at these women on TV and in movies. And look at these girls in porn. Now it's being overweight, being obese. And you see commercials for Fitbit or commercials for Gatorade where it's large, like obese black women, which I find really disgusting that these companies use obese black women and not just black women, but obese black women to show you that you can get a Fitbit and you can do a a headstand. You know, I, I know people that are like 105 pounds that can't do a headstand. Okay. Men, men and women. I highly doubt that a 300-pound lady is going to be able to do a, a headstand. And if she can, good for her. But the point is, why 
Is it now being coddled and glorified? Why is it now the centerpiece of a lot of advertising? You know, being extremely underweight by whatever standard or definition is not a good thing either. But when you're underweight, anorexic, bulimic, whatever, people have an issue with that, culturally and socially. The issue and the response is you need to get to rehab. You need to eat something. You're too skinny. You need to solve this problem or you're going to die. But when it comes to obesity, not only do we not do that, but it's becoming increasingly more difficult to do anything about obesity, even for medical professionals, even for healthcare providers, even for doctors. Few doctors ask about your diet anyway, but few doctors who ask about your diet would at least acknowledge that if you're 300 pounds and you're five foot eight or even six foot, like, hey, you're you're pretty overweight by any standard and you probably should think about losing some weight. Now that's fat shaming. Shouldn't tell your doctor anything. It's an it's invasion of your privacy, right? Read an article about that this morning. How you should you be careful telling your doctor when your last menstrual cycle was. Well, hopefully your doctor, a lot of women would feel more comfortable about around women. Hopefully your doctor, who's a woman, uh, would be asking that information because she needs it to maybe analyze and diagnose any potential problems that you might be having. Seems like a vital piece of medical information. Why is it being glorified, though? That's the question I have. Why is it? being coddled, and why is it being put on a pedestal? I don't get it. I don't understand. Unless the point of promoting obesity as opposed to anorexia which, you know, or bulimia, you wouldn't have a lot of energy there either, but at least you could still get around. A lot of people that are anorexic or bulimic also have like obsessions with exercising and keeping in shape to the point where they're just skeletal, might not have any muscle, but at least they can get around. At least they can move. If you're obese, you have a really hard time getting around. Really hard time getting around. And if you have a hard time getting around, it kind of confines you to a chair, to a bed, or it makes it more difficult for you to get out of those, those things, to get in and out of a car, to walk around a grocery store. You become more dependent on other people when you're obese. Ah, perhaps that's why. Considering the fact that marijuana, whether it's in New York or it's federally, being decriminalized, I believe has been done so because it makes people apathetic and lethargic. Look, I don't care if you smoke marijuana. Smoke your brains out, bro. I don't care. That's not the point. But collectively, when you look at the promotion of marijuana, the promotion of obesity, the promotion of social media as socializing, you get a really toxic recipe for obesity, apathy, lethargy, antisocial behavior, smoke weed, play on your video games or social media. And hey, I play video games too. I'm not saying video games are bad. I'm simply observing that collectively the things that make us lethargic and apathetic are being promoted nonstop everywhere around us. And those things make us very dependent on other people or perhaps on government. Like, for example, 
when I was living in New York and the governor, Cuomo, that scumbag Cuomo, he always talked about women's rights and women, 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 women. And then he got caught grabbing some booty and grabbing some boobs, I think, and grabbing some upskirts and God knows what else. That's just what they told us. Maybe he was compromised and blackmailed. They wanted to get rid of him, so that's what they told the public. Maybe he didn't do those things. I don't know. It's highly likely that he did. That seems to be a hallmark of Democrat politicians in New York in particular uh, because others have been uh, gone through the same kind of a thing recently. But when Cuomo did that, like one of his last acts as governor to kind of get you to forget about the lockdowns and the masks and the grabbing of young women's asses, he legalized marijuana. And I remember talking to people because I was living in Rochester who were like, well, I don't know if I necessarily like him, but he did legalize weed, man. So, yeah. Someone actually said it to me. I don't really like him, but he legalized marijuana. So it's it's OK. I don't care. He can grab as much ass as he wants. It's like, aren't you aren't you like for women and women's rights and all that? But since you can smoke weed now legally, you're totally fine with him grabbing young women. That's what I'm talking about. It makes people lethargic, and I, I don't necessarily think marijuana should be legal, but the thing is, when you combine marijuana with current social and cultural norms, and then you combine that with the glorification of obesity, which is part of the norm of the society and culture in terms of diet and food, and it has very little to do with exercise, for the record, in my view, then you get a population that just basically, for all intents and purposes, can't fight back. I mean, when you look at these statistics from the CDC, it's a very serious question. When 49% of black folks and 43% of all people, and this doesn't account for the lowered threshold for what considers or what constitutes obesity, about half of the United States is obese. And that number will be two-thirds or more in the coming decade. Within this decade, actually. It's estimated. One in four children are obese, on average, especially black and Hispanic, it'll be more like a third within this decade. In fact, the number of children that are going to be obese might even increase more rapidly. There's some estimates that it'll be one in two by the end of this decade, which means that for adults, it might actually be more like three out of four, not just two thirds. It might be like 75, 80%. These are just estimates based on current trends. And I don't see how those trends could be wrong. I don't see us suddenly shedding all of that weight. Now, once again, that's a problem for national security. That's a problem for civilization. That's a problem for the thread that holds everything together. Because when people are overweight and when people have all these chronic health conditions, when you can't even fit into a ride at an amusement park like the new Super Mario Kart ride, that's a problem. And let's say that another country decided to invade the United States. Who's going to fight? The soldiers in red high heels and lipstick? Or the 300-pound person who chooses to be that weight because it's, it's glorious and beautiful? It's so liberal and progressive. Who's going to fight? Nobody's going to fight. Anybody who wants to fight is seen as aggressive and angry. Just chill out, man. Here, have some more marijuana, have some more weed. Just chill out, relax. And I say that in context with the idea of 
marijuana sort of making people feel relaxed. And that's what the whole, that's the whole point. It doesn't just mean marijuana and obesity. It's anything that makes you lethargic and apathetic, including watching the news so that you're so scared of what might happen to you if you step out of line, etc. You just don't do anything or you just believe and parrot the narrative. Nope, don't want to think about anything else. That's another form of lethargy and apathy. This is a problem. We should not even be having discussions on health care, Obamacare, or any kind of care. Because we spend hundreds of billions of dollars treating things, quote-unquote, treating things that are preventable in the first place. And if we just took responsibility, we have no need to have any kind of government-controlled medicine, social, uh, socialized or anything, for that matter. People are healthier. You save a lot more money. We don't need government involvement in it. So it's a healthcare, an economic, a security. It's a lot of different issues. It's so much of an issue that it, it, it's, it's hard for the average American to even fit into the Super Nintendo World's Mario Kart, which is big enough for two people. The average American cannot fit into one of those seats. So they're going to have to restructure it. And they're getting criticism Universal Studios is because the the carts aren't big enough. Well, my God, how big do these carts have to be? I'm looking at pictures of them. You can fit two full-grown adults in them. Someone is too big to fit into that cart. They have a serious problem. Nintendo, Universal Studios should not have to build a bigger cart. What do you want to do? Expand the track like a highway? At what point do we stop? I mean, basically, if you take one of these seats out, it, it, it's going to literally look like you're in one of the Mario Karts. You're going to look like Bowser on that tiny little cart or the Grinch when he stole that car in the movie. I mean, this is, this is not a joke. This is not funny. I mean, sure, there's some humor in it, but this, this is very serious. Americans can't even fit into their own car, let alone an amusement park car. They can't fit into... Military uniforms, they, they, they can't even fit into booths at a restaurant. That, this is a problem, folks. This is a huge problem. And this is a problem that's getting worse every single day. It's sad, it's chronic, and it's proof of a decadent society that has gone over the edge hard. A society that, for all intents and purposes, has been conquered. Let's just admit that. Totally conquered. It's like what Batman was told by Bane. Victory has defeated you. That is what has happened and what continues to happen in the United States of America. Victory has defeated you. We have defeated ourselves. We're not leading the world in anything. The only thing we're really good at is waging war, and that's not based on the principles that the country was founded on. That's based on warmongers and corporations and big banks, which is what finances Ukraine and what finances the ongoing conflicts in Syria and other parts of the Middle East. By the way, there are people like me who still are opposed to all that. I guess a lot of people were brought back in to believing that's a good thing on the left and right. But 40 inches is the limit, and you still can't fit in the car. Not one or two people, folks. The average American can't fit into the ride. And maybe the criticism that Universal Studios is getting is warranted. Maybe it's warranted because 
as People Magazine said, it's absurd that you wouldn't accommodate larger riders. Well, how much do we have to accommodate? How many how many pounds and how many inches do we have to accommodate? Do we do you need to do they need to keep a car set aside for someone who is like a sixty inch waist? Does that even exist in nature? Like if one of Doctor Now's patients from my six hundred pound life decides, hey, I want to go to Universal Studios, and they wheel them in on the stretcher and dump them into one of these cars, and they're not going to fit, so Universal keeps a car in storage that can support 600 pounds or more. Is, is that where we are? Sorry, so you can't fit in the vehicle. Um, you are about 20 inches over the limit. But we have a backup vehicle for you. Uh, it's a flatbed Mario Kart. We just put you on the flatbed and then you go through. It, it's just ridiculous. And how many people are feasibly going to go on this ride anyway? Not everybody likes Mario. Not everybody likes Universal Studios. It's a small select group of people that co- constantly go to theme parks. It's a small group of people. It's not like the whole country is going to Mario Kart. It's ludicrous. It's absolutely insane. It's not just Mario Kart. As I said earlier, the Hulk roller coaster. The Hulk roller coaster had to be redesigned to accommodate larger guests more recently. And now with Mario Kart... Mario Kart and the Hulk ride. They are in a special category with It's a Small World. It's a Small World, the famous 1964 onward ride with the It's a Small World After All song. Americans have become so large, according to the Huffington Post, they've ballooned so much in weight that it's causing, quote, the boats to bottom out and stop the entire works until Disney employees can help the overweight offenders off the boats and out the emergency exits. I think it's important to recognize tonight on the show that, as I started this segment with a disclaimer, we should start to wind down this segment with another disclaimer, and that is, We are not beating a dead horse. We are not rehashing the same thing over and over again just because we have no other material. I'm focusing on this and we're looking at the different angles of this because this is a much larger problem in the same way that health and food in general relates to the paranormal. It relates to the occult from the mystery schools to being able to predict the future or communicate with spirits eating the right way is a prescribed method of doing that. And if we're looking at health and food from those points of view, you can see it's not just some guy on radio telling you what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying you should should be concerned with this. You don't have to be, but you should be concerned because we're not just talking about food. We're not just talking about people that are overweight. We're talking about how people who are overweight are being exploited and used like pawns to promote apathy and lethargy and to promote unhealthy lifestyles, promote things that are very much the opposite of of science. Fat black women dominate TV commercials. Large, overweight people in general tend to dominate media. You see it everywhere. Go to the mall, turn on the TV, 
And you just wonder why. But in the case of people that are overweight, it actually makes more sense than slapping a black person's face on everything because black people only make up 14% of the population. But 50 plus percent of the population roughly is overweight. So it actually is. If you're thin, even if you're anorexic or whatever, you're still sick. But if you're thin, like even if you're overweight, you're still not obese. You're in the minority. Who, who, who fights to defend the country? Who fights to defend their families? Who fights to defend themselves? Nobody. Because they've taught you that fighting, even if it's defensive fighting, they've taught you that self-defense, under the argument of guns are dangerous, it's actually about defense. Bearing arms means weapons, defense that could be in your hands. They've taught you that self-defense, defending your family, your property, your country, etc., is somehow offensive, which I guess it would be to people that are offending. It would be offensive to them to resist the theft or the burglary or the rape or the murder or whatever it is. They teach you that it's offensive, that you shouldn't do it. It's love and light. Don't defend yourself. This creates a culture of literally the characters from the movie Wally. That is, with capital L, literally what this is. According to the USA Today, the American government's guidelines on the maximum weight that a car can carry have changed and can easily be exceeded before any luggage or any kind of stuff that you're taking with you in the car is added to the vehicle. Now, this is a report from 2007 when we were much less overweight. Americans, on average, were overloading their cars in 2007. The guidelines came from 2006. This was 17 years ago. Part of it was because of a 2000, which is 23 years ago, Firestone tire recall. Some of the blame for the failure of the tires, which resulted in crashes, was because of people being too fat and literally blowing their tires out. Consequently, car manufacturers added a maximum weight limit for their cars. In the U.S., these limits have generally been calculated using an average passenger weight of 150 pounds. Even in the EU, the average driver weight is taken at 75 kg. According to the USA Today, that means that the two-seat sports car, such as a Corvette or a Mazda MX-5, aren't certified to carry two 200-pound adults. They just can't carry the weight. Apparently, even five-seaters like the Honda Accord are rated at 850 pounds. And that means that uh, five people in the car at an average of 170 pounds would pretty much push it to its limit. The average American today, if you put five of them in the Honda Accord, based on guidelines from the early 2000s, they would literally overload the car. I mean, my friend and I used to joke, my friend Joey, uh, Joey P, we used to joke that, I mean, a, a lot of the people in my high school are very overweight. It's West Virginia, so heart disease, they battle with the deep south for heart disease. You know, who's got the most heart disease? A lot of people are very overweight. And we used to joke because a friend of ours, he actually, he actually recently passed away, the one that died from suffocation, and they called it COVID-19 because he was too big. His whole family was extremely overweight. Him and his brother were pushing like, 
between seven to 800 pounds combined. And his parents were very overweight. And we used to joke like, literally, I don't think that this family, all four of them could get onto an elevator without the elevator uh, being restricted and not being able to move. Because I, I, they have a usually a weight limit. It's like 1,600 pounds or 2,000 pounds. Like our friend's family could not, a four-person family could not have fit, in, fit into an elevator, let alone had the elevator work. And that's just like, it's just, it's, a, it's, it's why people look at things that are strange in society. Like if you see someone with a green hair, it's like, what, what is that? Let me look at that for a second. If you see, you know, a javelina crossing the road here in Arizona, it's like, oh, I haven't seen a javelina before. What is that? Let me look at it because it's, it's not normal. It's abnormal for you. When you see someone very large at the store, it's like, oh, that's, I've never seen that before. Let me look at it. But now it's so normal. We're just changing the guidelines, changing the restrictions on everything. So we got to make cars bigger. We got to make go-karts bigger, even fake go-karts that fit two people. They got to be made bigger because one person literally can't fit in a cart that's supposed to contain two people. These aren't jokes. This is serious. And what does this mean? It means that more resources are being used. More food, more water, more energy, and so on and so forth. And we have a lot of that to use anyway. Americans throw out 50% of the food they buy on average. Americans use unbelievable amounts of water. The showers, the baths, the dishes, the devices, washing our cars, car washes on every corner. You know this isn't normal in a lot of the rest of the world, largely the undeveloped world, which is a, a, a lot of planet Earth. It's not normal. It's not even normal to have running water to clean your hands, let alone wash your $25,000 vehicle. Victory has defeated us. I think victory has definitely defeated us. And the question is, why is it not okay to live your life and to have kids or do whatever you want to do because of climate change, but it's okay to be super morbidly, massively overweight and consume twice the amount of resources. Like how much energy does it cost to heat or to cool someone who's much larger? But that's, that's okay. Climate change activists never talk about the obesity crisis and the resources that those people who are much larger on average, in some cases, twice the size, the resources they need. I'm not making fun of people who are overweight. I used to be overweight. I'm saying that this is a serious problem. If we really are running out of resources, which I don't believe we are, but if we're really running out of resources, this should be addressed. And the same political ideology that supports drastic conditions and responses and lockdowns and all this for climate change are the same ones that tend to advocate for body positivity, which means being morbidly obese and consuming more resources. So that doesn't make any sense. In fact, a lot of the people that advocate for these things are morbidly obese themselves. The women's rights activists and the climate activists, not so much in Europe, but in the United States, they're usually very large people. Why is that? It doesn't make any sense. It's the same way that like most of BLM, Black Lives Matter, and most of Antifa, they're like almost all either professors who are white or upper middle class white people. It's like almost all of the transgenders that have come out of nowhere in school and, and, and come out and told their parents and their friends, I'm this or I'm that. It's almost 
a condition that only affected boys at one point is a condition that almost exclusively affects middle uh, of the road or upper class white women. There's a there's a reason for this. I think it's pretty obvious. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe you can do so monthly yearly or through a one-time donation your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air you could listen to this and again you know people say david has no evidence david has no evidence i hate this channel or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself ryan gable five nights a week on ground zero radio Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is David John Knight from ReverseSpeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teaching with Ron Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Well, according to the New York Times, if you are overweight or somewhat overweight or maybe even obese, they call you plus size now, which is kind of a funny term. You're plus size. Wonder if that makes me negative size or am I down a size? Like what's very arbitrary, admittedly. But there's a new form of activism in the last couple of years, a new form of awareness, raising awareness. And that is for larger customers who try to eat out at restaurants. According to the New York Times, some people are having trouble when they go to restaurants squeezing in to a booth. Now, on the surface, that's kind of funny, but beyond the surface, it's very sad and it's very disturbing. Because booths are pretty big. Now, granted, you get some some of those tables are really close together. But we're not talking about tables that are really close together. We're talking about large booths that can fit lots of people. But some singular individuals are having trouble getting into the booths. 
Now, how often does this actually happen? Probably not that often. But the New York Times reports on it because it's a social justice story. It's a story about activism. Now, here's another disturbing thing. Some people aren't even obese. Some people are maybe like you. They're just average normal size, which unfortunately now is obese, but average normal size in terms that would put you into a a weight range of looking like maybe people did in the, I don't know, the 90s or something, the average. Some people, though, aren't average or normal or obese or they don't really, you can't really describe them as any of those things. According to the New York Times, some people just identify as large. That's a quote. People who identify as large. So you can identify as large. You can also be large and identify as small. Doesn't really make any sense why anybody would want to identify as large or you can identify as plus size or fat. And for people who identify as large, plus size or fat, dining out can be a social and physical minefield. Really. I think your your mind, not mine, your mind, it's a mind field or a minefield in your mind. The New York Times says chairs with arms or impossibly small seats leave marks and bruises. Yes, you're being assaulted by the dinner table and by the chairs. Very likely, if your stomach is pressed up against the table, the silverware might also assault you. Meals are spent in pain or filled with worry that a flimsy chair might collapse. Hmm. What was that movie with Jack Black, Shallow Howl, where she broke the chair? I mean... If you are overweight, I'm just curious. This is a serious question. If you are overweight, do you ever go to a restaurant and think that the arms of the chair or the legs of the chair or the table or whatever, you ever think that it's like physically harming you while you're sitting up against it? It's leaving bruises. It's, it's, it's assaulting you. It's attacking you. I mean, I've seen people in my family have trouble getting into booths. And they always used to joke about it. It was a funny thing. What I've never seen is someone who's thin identify as fat and then complain that the booth or the table or the chair is leaving bruises on them because they're too fat when they're actually very thin. (laughs) It doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? Deciding where to eat is a challenge. Diners often comb through endless photographs of restaurant food online. I don't think they do that because they're fat and can't find a place to sit. I think they do that because they're hungry. And I think everybody does that. I think no matter if you're fat or skinny, you scroll through endless photographs of restaurant food when you're looking to see where you should go eat if you can't make up your mind so that you can decide, huh, I'd like Thai food. Huh, I think I'll get hibachi. Hmm, maybe I'll get a sandwich at a deli. Maybe I'll get barbecue. Maybe we'll go to a buffet. But deciding where to eat is a challenge, according to the New York Times. Diners comb through endless photographs of restaurant food online, hoping someone has posted an image of the chairs or the spaces between the tables. I bet you that there's not a single person, not a single person listening to this show right now, who has ever gone to a restaurant, who has ever interacted with another human being, 
who has had the experience of having to search for a table that is too small and to make sure they can find one that's large enough to accommodate them. I bet that's never happened. I bet you've never met someone who that's happened to. Maybe when you get there, but I, I have a hard time believing anybody is online thinking, huh, I really want something to eat. Let me look at these restaurants. All right, and I'm looking through it, and they got sandwiches, and they got steak, and they got, I'll scroll over the salads. They got soup. I don't know, that's vegetables. Scroll over that. Oh, they have oh, dessert. Let's get that dessert menu. No one's ever looking through that and then thinks, hmm, I better see how big the booths are because I can't fit into the average booth. It's just another one of those stories told by the New York Times. And the way they write it just sounds so dramatic. Yeah, I mean, it would be like if you, you know, if you go to like, you can go to YouTube or something, for example, and you type in, I don't know, like Epic or it's Epic or like movie trailer music. And it's, you listen to that music and it's the kind of stuff that movies will have in the trailers, right? And for something that doesn't really make any sense. Like it's a trailer about a car going down the road and it's, it's this really intense music. I don't know if I can find, find something, but this is what I hear. It's like when I, when I, when I read these articles from the New York times, it's basically the, the written equivalent. See if we can find some music here, some epic music. It's these, it's this kind of music, right? And that's what you're supposed to think when you read the New York Times. For people who identify as large, plus size or fat, dining out can be a social and physical minefield. Chairs with arms or impossibly small seats leave marks and bruises. Meals are spent in pain or filled with worry that a flimsy chair might collapse. Deciding where to eat is a challenge. Diners often comb through endless photographs of restaurant food online, hoping someone has posted an image of the chairs or the space between the tables. That's what you're supposed to think when you're reading the New York Times. I think that's what that's what they want you to think. It's so epic. Epic. Even with the best preparation, there is no way to account for a clueless employee who doesn't notice that the bar stool with the curvy back just isn't going to work, or the well-meaning manager who doesn't want to call attention to a diner's size by asking which seat might be most comfortable. I'm pretty sure they just give you whatever is available. And if you can't fit into it, they just, you have to wait or you can set maybe on a bench or I don't know. That is just, I read all that, by the way, I didn't make that up. I'm not that, <laughs> I'm not that good. That was all from, that's all from the New York Times. That's literally what the article says. Now, the irony in all this is, of course, that if you go out to eat a lot, it actually, on average, um, contributes, depending on how much you do it, it contributes to your obesity. For example, the Orlando Sentinel posted this article in 2011, eating at restaurants contributes to obesity. Don't really need to read the Orlando Sentinel to know that, but eating at restaurants boosts risk of obesity, experts warn. Okay, pretty obvious. Evidence on obesity and balanced nutrition intake, frequency of eating out at both fast food and sit down, according to the NIH.gov. They talk about the, and this is 2018, the association between eating out at restaurants and body mass index, which is a variable thing. But 
this is a problem that's caused by a lot of different factors. It's not a singular issue. But if you are eating out a lot, you, you have a good chance of becoming obese. If that's all you eat, then you're probably at some point going to, to start to gain weight and you're going to be obese. But then they say going out to eat is a hassle for overweight people because of all the things I read you. But it's like, well, going out to eat contributes to those things. So you eat because you're unhappy and you're unhappy because you, you eat, right? Like fat bastard. I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy because I eat and, I'm un, and, I, and I eat because I'm unhappy. So you go out to eat, you gain weight, and then you complain that you're gaining weight and can't fit into the restaurant. So then, I mean, it's just a vicious cycle. I actually remember when I was living in Orlando, uh, I was I was actually teaching a real estate class for a while in Orlando. And there was a, there's a whole, I'll give, tell you exactly where it is, Whole Foods, right by Universal Studios. It's Turkey, it's Turkey Lake Road. There's a Whole Foods right there. We used to record the show right down the road uh, in a little office. And when we were on a dark matter radio and there's a, there's a McDonald's like right across the street from where we had the studio. And, uh, I, I would go, sometimes I would go to this McDonald's because for some reason there was like really, it was Orlando, but there was really bad phone signal, uh, near the office there. So I drive over to the McDonald's because the signal was really strong and I was in the parking lot cause I was, I was, I had looked up you know, I was looking at my phone. I was over in the park and looking at my phone. I was listening to radio shows and I was, I was for some reason, I just, I, I don't know what it was, but I clicked on an article <laughs> on how I got to it. But I, I started reading about McDonald's and there was a story about that McDonald's. And I, I'm assuming I don't, I never eaten there, but I assume they did it. Something about how the average customer there in Orlando was so large that they literally had to redo the entrance way to the McDonald's because the average customer couldn't fit into the McDonald's. It's that is just unbelievable. It's 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 a double door. How do they not open both doors? How do they have why they have to replace the doors with a larger entrance? Again, I don't know if they ever did that. I just remember reading that story. I was like, what? What? <laughs> people, people can't even fit into a McDonald's anymore. They're so big. How do they even get into the, how do you get into the restaurant? If you're so big, you can't fit into the restaurant. How are you getting to the restaurant? You're not going to fit into a, a car. Again, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm simply saying that this is dangerous. It's sad. And it's proof of a decadent society that's gone over the side, that's gone overboard. And it's a threat to economic and to cultural and to national security just as it is anywhere else in the world. It's also a threat, a threat to resources. If you're really concerned about resources and water and food and energy, being massively morbidly, I'm talking super morbidly obese, is going to result in you consuming more of these, these resources. It also results in you being, generally speaking, and not all overweight people are like this, and there's plenty of really skinny, thin people, anorexic people that don't have any energy. But on average, if you're overweight, it's harder to do things. So you're more apathetic, you're more lethargic, and just like with smoking marijuana or doing any kind of drugs that puts you into a state of disconnection from reality, really what it is, but they make you very apathetic and lethargic, who's going who's gonna to fight back if a, if a military invades or if you're under intense psychological warfare or, I don't know, if Chinese spy balloons are flying over your country? What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. You're going to pick up that phone and you're going to dial Domino's 
or Grubhub, and you're going to have it delivered, and then you're going to go pick it up, and the Chinese spy balloon is going to watch you get your food at your door. But that might even be too hard. So now there's now there's smart doors that can open, and the pizza person can just put the food inside the house. Or they have drones. They can just fly it right into your living room and drop it. And I'm, I'm joking a little bit about that, but that's also a thing. That's also a thing. Because when the, the newer X, well, I said the new Xbox, not the newer Xbox, but when the new Xbox came out, not this recent one, but the one before it, there was, I think it was something about the advertisements on the Xbox, because so, it had a camera, so it track your eyes. And Microsoft sold the same technology to the military, by the way, because it, it sees in the dark, too. So even when you have the lights off, that Xbox is still watching you. Uh, so they had this camera. I remember reading this story. I had talked about it on the radio years and years ago. They had this camera, so it watches you. It watches your eyes. So it knows just for a split second when you look at an advertisement. And it said that the new technology will help to advertise specifically and directly to you. So if you stop over a pizza ad, then the pizza coupon you know, for that ad might be sent to your phone or to your email or to whatever. And then, of course, you can just order the pizza right from the Xbox. And I remember reading that Microsoft said, but the only downside of this is you still have to get up to open the door. Oh, you got to get up to open the door. You can play video games for 12 hours. You can order pizza on your Xbox, but I got to get up to open the door. Come on, Microsoft. I want my door to open for me. And I want to let this stranger in my house. Just bring it to me and then I'll give you an extra $20 tip. Just feed it to me. Feed it to me. Feed it to me. How many people actually live like that? I'm not sure it's many. But that is the, the, the cultural and social and ideological conditioning. It's the idea that we have so much money and so much stuff that we can just be lazy. We can just let it all fall apart. We don't care or we don't know and don't know how to take care of things. And we just whatever. And the number of people I've met in my life that don't know how to boil water is just baffling. Stunning. What do you mean? I, just, I had a girlfriend told me she didn't know how to boil water. I was like, well, what do you mean you don't know how to boil water? How do you know how to boil water? You literally just put the water on the stove and turn the stove on. <laughs> it boils itself. She literally didn't know how to boil water. It's unbelievable. I'm not even sure if the average person, I mean, I guess that's why I get angry when I talk to like tech people from company. like I, I haven't done this for a while, but like tech companies for could be everything. I don't know. It could be my radio equipment or it could be a gaming console or whatever. And I always ask you that same stupid question. Is it plugged in? Of course it's plugged in. Why would I call you if it wasn't plugged in? Well, sir, you would be surprised how many people call because their device isn't working and they just haven't plugged it in. And then I, I get a little less angry and I'm like, oh, you're right. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's probably why. Is it plugged in? I've had tech people, they're like, yeah, it's like three out of four times it's just not plugged in or they're pushing the wrong button to turn it on. So we don't even know how to turn our devices on anymore. We're going down here real fast. Okay. At least that's, I could end the show on that, but I won't because ultimately we're not going downhill. Ultimately the world is beautiful and vibrant and there's virtually unlimited resources and unlimited opportunities. And especially if you're an American, I mean, my God. You have no clue what the rest of the world's like. I've not even been to the rest of the world. 
I don't even know what the rest of the world's like. And I know that most of you don't know what the rest of the world's like. None of us really have any context unless we've traveled outside of this country. We have no idea how good we have it. We make decisions on how much we want to spend because of all of our options on luxury items. Most people don't even have basic necessities in the world, let alone luxury items. So the solution to this problem is you want to rip down the system that provides all of this resource wealth and real wealth. You want to rip that system down? Good luck with that. But you don't really have to do it with bombs and bullets. You can just do it with drugs and pornography and social media Spy blimps that spy balloons that nobody wants to just, oh, there's a Chinese spy balloon. There it goes. That's okay. No one's going to shoot that down or anything. That's fine. Happens all the time, I'm sure. That's just, you know, that's just the, that's just the way things go. Half the country's overweight. It'll be three quarters in the next decade. It'll be half of all children are obese. There's no health problems about obesity. It's just because of COVID. That's why people are sick. Obesity doesn't lead to high Rates of mortality, blood pressure, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, coronary heart disease, stroke, gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis, sleep apnea, cancer, low quality of life, mental illness, depression, anxiety, etc., bodily pain, chronic inflammation. It doesn't result in any of those things. That's all caused by a virus. And now they have injections. This is a new thing. Injections so that you lose weight. And that's the funny thing. When you watch Gatorade and exercise commercials now, Used to be a super skinny person, but now they've gone super progressive, whatever that's supposed to mean. And now it's like fat black women. I've noticed ice cream commercials, Gatorade commercials, Fitbit commercials. We've played those commercials on the show before. We've talked about them. Seems very degrading. Makes sense that according to the University of Connecticut, the Rudd Report and some black coalition group that was part of the study, most advertising goes to black neighborhoods and Hispanic neighborhoods. That's why you have all that terrible food there because that's all that they're being shown. Uh, I, I know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the virus is causing all this and we've just never had these problems before, right? That's what's causing it. But, but the, the, the point is, this is a problem. It's an economic problem. It's a resource problem. It's an ideological problem. People are being conditioned to just give up and give in. You heard Clyde Lewis's intro to Ground Zero. Give up, give up. That's what the loudspeaker is saying. Give up, give up, sit down, order the pizza, play the video games. Now, I love video games. I'm a big video game person. I haven't played video games for a long time. I'm just getting back into them for something to do, kind of relax and disconnect from all the intensity of this job. But, you know, there's there's a limit to things. <laughs> there's a limit to things. And even if you play video games all the time, that's fine. Whatever. But I'm saying when you combine all this together, culturally, ideologically, when Americans are too large for Nintendo's Mario Kart ride, because the waistline has to be 40 inches or less, and the average American is more than 40 inches in the waist, that's a problem. And it's a symptom of a larger problem. The Hulk ride, the Hulk roller coaster had to be redone in Florida because people were too big. Disney reported in 2007 how It's a Small World needed to be overhauled because Americans were so overweight, the boats were bottoming out. Cars are being overloaded. Tires, Firestone, one of the best tires you can buy from what I understand. 
Firestone tires are exploding because people are too big. Literally, according to a Firestone study from 16 years ago. 16 years ago, people were not that obese then, but people were so big even then that they were blowing their Firestones out. That's just incomprehensible. And it was more than one or two cases because they did a whole report on it. Americans are even too big to fight in the military. Actually, just under 3 in 10 young people, 17 to 24, can join the Army today, and the other armed services for that matter. The single biggest disqualifier is obesity. Um, there's Wait, oh, 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 we're talking about young people. Right, youth obesity, that's right. So this is men and women, young men and women. That's right. Most of whom are too fat to join the service. Well, that's 10% of them are obese and un, you know, unfit to the point that they can't join the service. I mean, I realize we have an obesity problem in this country, but that shocks me. Yeah, it's really, it's really very worrisome. And I, you know, I don't know that it's fair to call it a crisis just yet. This is Major General Alan Batschelet. Bats, was it Batschelet? B-A-T-S-C-H-E-L-E-T. Hmm. USARC Commanding General. People are too big, too fat to fight. But I- and this is CNN, by the way. This was published in 2015 on their YouTube page, just one video as an example. They think it's quickly approaching one. It really becomes a national security issue. You know, this obesity is a, becomes obesity. A, national, a national security In my issue. view, it does, yeah. It's not a military problem. It is a societal issue. And then that's not the only disqualifier, of course. But in my mind, the obesity one is one of the more troubling because the trends are in the wrong direction. So 10% disqualified today, we think by 2020 it could be as high as 50%, which would mean only 2 in 10 could qualify to join the Army. So what do you tell a young person who comes in who in it is... So 1 in whatever the number is, 2 in whatever the number is, 3 in whatever the number is, it's statistics that can be kind of played around with. But let's, let's think about that for a second. Only a small percentage, he was saying as of 2020, and this was years ago, could potentially be eligible. So then what do they do with those two or three that are eligible? They put them in high heels, paint their fingernails, and send them to white people or bad training. Uh, That's a desecration of the uniform, desecration of the flag, and it's a desecration of America. This is the way that you conquer a country without firing a gun. It's too heavy to qualify. What do you tell them? Yeah, so I mean, recruiters are life coaches and we encourage our recruiters to be that. And so they engage with young people. They want to see them be successful whether they join the army or not. And so, so your recruiters act sort of like the biggest loser on television. They can. Re- they can. So we have programs uh, it's called the Future Soldier Program. And if you decide you want to join the army and we'll begin the enlistment process, we'll get you contracted. And then you can start coming to a recruiting center. We'll have physical workouts, you know, three, four times a week and work with you so that you will be able to meet those standards when you go off to basic training. But there are limits to that. So, so give me an example of, of someone who is, is just too obese to go into the military and go through the basic training and come out a, a trim fighting machine. Right. So we've recently had some really neat experiences in, uh, I think it was Kansas City. A young person really wanted to join the Army. A young lady, as a matter of fact. She lost over 80 pounds working with her recruiter because her goal was to join the Army. It took her a year, and she did it, though. And today, she's a soldier in the United States Army. A lot of it is determination. You know, if you are really determined that you can overcome that disqualification, that matters a lot to us. I mean, you, we can only help so far. That matters a lot 
to you, and it's not just obesity, if you think that you can overcome something and you repeatedly go at it and do it, you're going to accomplish it. And if you don't fully accomplish it because maybe you don't have the skill or the knowledge or the know-how ultimately to complete that task or to do whatever it is, you will find that that determination, that ability or that willingness to find that ability to succeed is what defines you as a person. When that is taken out of society and out of people, nobody cares. You don't have soldiers, can't even have amusement parks, can't have cars. Everybody just physically gets confined in a little tiny space and they sit there and they wait to die. And that's not only sad, it's depressing. And it is a threat, as the general said, to national security. It's a threat to national security. It's a threat to economic security. I mean, it's if we just had, uh, had some perspective on this and acknowledged it, uh, overall, we would be able to see that, hey, you know, we have all these healthcare debates, but if we just took care of ourselves, we'd have no need for these healthcare debates. There'd be no need for very expensive health insurance and no need for big corporations and pharmaceutical companies to take control of our lives and feed us pills and drugs and needles and injections and things that are, in a lot of cases, experimental and cost a lot of money. We have no need for any of this stuff. No need for socialized or any kind of medicine, really. Just basic, standard, take care of you in the modern world stuff. But apparently the average American is in 2023, as of today, February 3rd into February 4th, so big they can't go on amusement park rides. We're weighing our cars down. We are using more resources We are blowing tires out. We are stopping boats from moving. And it's a small world because they literally bottom out. Literally. Too big to fight in the military. Too big to fit into restaurants. Too big to fit into booths. We're too big to apparently do anything. Let me tell you what part of that reason is. Just do me a favor. Go to use Google. Go to Google. Type in processed food unhealthy. Just one example. You'll see... Recent, three weeks ago, two days ago, three days ago, one day ago. Ultra-processed foods. Cognitive decline. Ultra-processed foods. Addictive. Cancer. Ultra-processed foods. Quote, bad for you, obviously. Low in fiber, low in nutrition, high in sugar, high in useless, worthless, empty calories, and high in mortality. We're not mocking, shaming, criticizing, demeaning, or degrading anybody who's overweight. I used to be overweight myself. But I do think that putting fat black women on TV commercials for Gatorade and Gatorade and Fitbit, I think that's demeaning. I think the Mars Corporation and Red Bull and all these big companies that advertise and market explicitly to black and Hispanic communities, I think that's discriminatory. I think that's degrading. I think that's demeaning. I think... Allowing 50% of the black population to be obese without even addressing the issue. People talk about Planned Parenthood and 40 plus percent of abortions are black babies. Not many people want to talk about obesity and all the associated problems. Heart, lung, cancer, diabetes, all the things that we say, oh, that's the virus. That's the vaccine doing that. 
maybe a little bit of the latter, but a lot more of the obesity. It's a fat, fat world after all, and that is not a good thing for the perpetuation of our species or civilization, whatever you want to call it. I'm Ryan Gable. Please subscribe to the archive, thesecretteachings.info. You subscribe, you buy a book, you keep us on air, or listen to the free archive. It also keeps us on air because we get paid for those advertisements. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Have a fantastic, wonderful weekend. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.